Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, I'm Gabe. <laughs> I'm Kelly. <laughs> I'm Jamie. Uh, okay, so it's almost uh, almost the holiday break. Yay! Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh-huh. Festivus. <laughs> Happy Yule. Mm-hmm. Yes. Happy Kelly brought in uh, wassail, 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 wassail. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was very tasty. I'm glad you liked it. I I am too. <laughs> you said it didn't have eggs. How do How do you do it with eggs? Or was you? You just... whip egg whites and then you fold in the yolks and then you temper the eggs with the hot wassail until they're all incorporated. So it's got like a nice little foam on top. That'd mm. be a totally different drink because because what you had yet it was it was almost like spiced apple cider. I mean, it would still be a spiced apple cider. It would just have a frothy top. Interesting. Frothy top apple cider. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so egg whites they like. Um, like the saturated fat helps with like the alcohol, so it doesn't absorb as much. So you're not like going to be as sick mm. if you consume more of it. Also, the regular recipe calls for brandy, and I didn't have any brandy. So yeah. this Just, might be our first ever cooking segment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I'm happy to talk about abortion and cooking anytime. All right. Yeah. So we had our annual staff plus friends with Jessica got, Roach from got my nice Roach. mug. Yes. Toxic masculinity ruins the party again. <laughs> So that was fun yesterday, but back to depressing crap. Right. We are waiting for word from the governor's office as to the fate of House Bill 214. Yes. Are we anticipating it to be signed on Friday? Uh, so today? Yeah. The, the, the tea leaves Ouija board crystal ball says uh, that Kasich would sign the bill on December 22nd, the day before everybody in the entire city of Columbus leaves on their you know, yes. Christmas break. And he's not going to make a big to-do of it because why would he? Because he's a big coward who's ashamed of his own record. <laughs> so, But yet doesn't change the record. <laughs> yeah, he won't, he won't really be responsive to our caroling if we decide to go caroling. Next year. Next year. You're still allowed to go caroling. I'm not going to go care about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, we'll see what he does. I mean, yeah, it makes complete sense for him to sign it as the throw out the trash the Friday before a holiday. I mean, that just is so... Right, you know, stereotypical of him. I want to go wassailing and burn things. <laughs> You're allowed. Uh, I'm not going to do it by myself. <laughs> this is this is Ohio Right to Life's big signature piece of legislation that they really wanted to pass mm-hmm. this year. I mean, yes. they, they would have liked to have passed it last year, but they want to make a big deal out of this. Uh, and here's Kasich, you know, not only throwing it out with the Friday trash, but throwing it out with the holiday trash, mm-hmm. you know, trying to like hide it amongst all the discarded wrapping paper. Uh, Why is he being such a coward about it? Because he's a lame duck. There's not really anything we can, he, he can do or they can do or anyone can do. It's just me. I'm going to sign it because I'm a weenie. There needs to be a term for a lame duck who might also run for president. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's why he's doing it. Because <laughs> he was on Meet the Press this weekend talking about how he was such a moderate. And yesterday he signed some bill, urging, signed some letter with a bunch of other governors telling people to... Um, telling Congress to fix the DACA problem and he's out there like all over the place acting like he's this fabulous moderate that everyone should love. And this whole like writing the signing the 20th abortion restriction since he came into office doesn't fit that whole little story he's telling about himself. I'm going to say he needs that chill pill suppository. That's all. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Uh huh. 
<laughs> Should take his own advice and take his own chill pill. And take it up his butt. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he could veto the bill. He could. I mean, he, he, <clears throat> his office has said that he wants to see exceptions for rape and incest in abortion restrictions that he passes. Which of this course. one does not have. This does not have. But none of them, but like one has. So that's a complete false statement anyway, but yes. Right. The, the governor's office has legislative staff uh, even though they're the executive branch, they still have you know people who work with the legislature who advise them on what the governor wants to see in specific bills. They lead the budget process off every mm-hmm. two years. Um, there's no shortage of communication between the governor and the legislature. At no point in time since Kasich was sworn into office in 2011 have we ever heard of this staff going to the legislature and saying, hey, please add these exceptions that the governor says that he wants. They've yeah. never testified uh, in any committee ever for mm-hmm. those, uh, and we've never heard anything through the press, through other legislators, about the governor actually asking for exceptions for rape and incest. Mm-hmm. And he signed multiple things that don't have exceptions, so obviously yes. it's not at the, you know tilting point that he says it is. Must right. be hard to talk out of both sides of your mouth. <laughs> Apparently it's quite easy for him because he does it all the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're waiting for that. We'll see if he does it tomorrow or if he completely ruins our week before Queen Christmas and New Year's break. Right. I would, if he doesn't, we'll just be like, well, now what? <laughs> uh, yeah. he, he could sign. Uh, we, think he's, we think he'll sign tomorrow. Uh, he could veto. We think that's highly unlikely. The third option is he doesn't sign the bill at all and lets it pass into law. This isn't a pocket veto situation. In this case, the bill becomes law, mm-hmm. but without his name on it. But that's also like a completely wussy thing to do because it still will have his name. It's still around his neck because he could have stopped it from going into effect. So he doesn't get any bonus points for letting it become law without his signature because... Right. Lame yeah. chicken. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Much. Yes. There we go. John Kasich <laughs> is a lame chicken. That's going to be the title for this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we are uh, we're still asking for supporters to contact the governor's office and demand a veto. It, it's the right thing to do. Um, once this bill gets signed, as we believe it will, uh, the focus kind of becomes Mike Dewine um, because you know he's he's been the attorney general. Um, he's, he's been on the wrong side of history for, you know, <laughs> all of these years for everything. Um, <laughs> but now, you know, we're, we're seeing, uh, the, the future of the anti-choice movement in Ohio as being potentially a, a governor, Mike DeWine, which is a horrific thing to say out loud. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy, I mean, we talk about Kasich and his 20 abortion restrictions, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, under the radar over here, Mike DeWine's been, writing amicus briefs supporting Hobby Lobby taking away contraceptive coverage and Conestoga Wood Products taking away contraceptive coverage. He wrote an amicus brief in support of House Bill 2 in Texas in the whole women's health case. They were the attorney of record in Ohio on the Ogilfeld gay marriage case. I mean, he has done all of these things that are bad. And also this week announced that he wasn't going to join the New York lawsuit on net neutrality either. So he's all for wasting taxpayer dollars on all these bad things, attacking our rights, but isn't interested in, you know, making sure we have access to. And the minor seeking abortion in Texas. Yes, he did that too. Right. 
So yeah, yeah. horrible record. Um, <laughs> He's the and, one that gets to waste all of our money on these lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Yes, which which he apparently enjoys doing. I mean, he, his office had to write a forty five thousand dollar check to Planned Parenthood after his brouhaha of a press conference accusing them of illegally disposing of fetal tissue, which was not illegal and was completely compliant in the law. Yeah. So I mean, he that, that is a literal forty five thousand some hundred dollar check that his office had to write to Planned Parenthood because of his actions. Right. They don't want to give money to Planned Parenthood health centers for health care, but they're okay giving it to Planned Parenthood's lawyers. Yes. In Indiana, they the ACLU of Indiana has gotten $400,000 a year from the state of Indiana on a variety of anti-abortion and other bills that the Indiana ACLU has been pushing forward. So, <laughs> Defund Planned Parenthood by funding Planned Parenthood. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the legal team. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean... Fiscal conservatives, these people who claim to be libertarians, should be absolutely outraged at yes. that. Uh-huh. You know? And yet. <laughs> I, I mm-hmm. don't hear the outrage. No. You, can, you can insert like a little cricket sound there if you want. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have to Google sound effects now. <laughs> I can't make that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Um, you know, look at look at Mike DeWine's actions. Um, look at his history. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes of uh, an AP uh, article that um, I believe Julie Carr Smythe uh, reported a couple years ago, where uh, she looked at public records requests, or you know, did public records requests and found communications between DeWine and Ohio Right to Life uh, to you know to coordinate their efforts there. Um, as mm-hmm. as we as we see this twentieth attack on abortion rights and reproductive health care get signed into law here, um, you know the focus goes away from the lame chicken John Kasich mm-hmm. uh, and moves towards Mike DeWine. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, moving into eighteen with all the electoral stuff I mean, for sure. But it'd be interesting to see. I mean, once he signs it, really, it's in the hands of the lawyers to figure out if it's something that they want to sue on or not. It's been filed in Indiana and blocked. So we'll see what happens in Ohio. Right. Lawyers are looking at it. So so that's what we're doing here in Ohio. Uh, We still have uh, several other bills that are still... Hanging out. Hanging out. Uh, Possible things that could move in in 2018. What do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, so just so people know, our legislative session goes two years continuous. So a bill that doesn't get passed this year will still be waiting for us when everybody comes back in January. It's not like when the session ends at the end of an even-numbered year. So, yeah, so we still have the methaban sitting out there. We still have, like, two fetal tissue bans and and the six-week ban. So we could see, I mean, all of these moved that last week. Right. Or in that time frame, actually, the method ban was, didn't move. But they were hearing rumors that the method ban will move in January. So the method ban, for people who aren't familiar, is a ban on the most commonly formed, uh, performed uh, abortion method used in the second trimester. It's the one doctors uh, recommend mm-hmm. for their patients because it is the safest. Yes. And again, the alternative is to induce labor, which can only be done in a hospital and not in a clinic. Yeah. Right. Yes, yes. 
Much so, more complicated. So All those that abortion method ban could move. Yeah, the six-week ban could move because we saw that come out of committee last week but didn't go to the full floor. So it's just waiting for a flow vote in the House. And that would ban abortions. Whoa, sorry. <laughs> Gabe's throwing his pen at Kelly. Uh, that would ban pretty much every abortion everywhere in the state of Ohio. Yes. It would close every clinic. It would outlaw the procedure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because that sounds like it's totally constitutional. All right. <clears throat> Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the fetal remains the bill. The fetal remains bill. Um, we saw a second hearing in the, on this for the Senate version of that last week, too. So and this is passed in Indiana and been blocked, right? Yes. It actually was the same bill. It did, They did one bill that had the fetal remains and their version of the Down syndrome ban all oh. in one. Okay. So we've been lucky enough to see it in two separate bills. Yes. <laughs> Lucky Technically, us. Technically three, since there were two Down syndrome abortion bans. Oh, and two fetal tissue bills. Oh. So actually four. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love how that was passed in Indiana and blocked as like a catchphrase around the office. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. And again, as we've said before, all of these actually have been blocked in some state somewhere. So, yeah. yes. So what happens if all of these bills are passed, like just all of them, and like it, where where can these legislators go once all of these bills are passed? Like, how many more abortion restrictions can be passed after? There aren't that many more on the table. Yeah. I mean, that this was something that we said here that, that I said, and, and I wasn't entirely correct, but <laughs> uh, after, after Whole Woman's Health uh, versus Hellerstead, the ruling came down because it was very clear about, you know, reaffirming Roe and and saying, you know, listen, if it doesn't, prov- uh, if it doesn't provide... Uh, a benefit to women and it's an undue burden, then it's unconstitutional. That principle uh, from Ruth Bader Ginsburg took a lot of the Texas trap law stuff off the table for Ohio. And so that's why we're not seeing these got to have a janitor's closet Mm -hmm. over here with the hallway sort of restrictions on abortion uh, facilities. Um, They're they're running through all the options and Mm -hmm. there is going to be a point, I think, uh, I thought it was going to be before now. But it was a knocking on wood there, Gabe. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we, we will sort of pass out of this period of seeing all of these abortion restrictions because eventually they're just going to pass all the ones that are in any way passable, uh, passable mm-hmm. uh, and, and get challenged and, you know, God in the courts willing, uh, get knocked down and then they'll be back to square one. Yeah. As long as our liberal court justices can survive a Trump presidency. Um, I think that's your ah. big wild card right there. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, but I, I think the only other kind of mainstream, and that is in air quotes for those not watching the video, um, thing that we haven't seen in Ohio that we've seen in other states are elongating the waiting periods. Many states have gone to 48 or 72-hour waiting periods from the 24-hour waiting period that we have here. Right. So it's really the only kind of mainstream again in air quotes um, restriction but again has been ruled unconstitutional I feel like in some places um, because forcing 72 hours for you know when you start losing clinics and and things like that is a is a burden on women's access so yeah we'll see uh, Aaron Matson from repro action would be mad at me if I didn't note that a waiting period while it sounds like yeah. not that big of a deal is it's actually a, huge a very deal. severe BFD. penalty yeah it, mm-hmm. it is for women if you can't get that second day off of work to get back to the clinic, if there was travel costs that mm-hmm. are prohibitive for you, 
Uh, extending a waiting period from 20, and any waiting period is bad. Yeah. Extending it, you know, even that much farther makes a- abortion access unattainable for mm-hmm. many low-income women. I mean, especially when you're coming from Kentucky and West Virginia and Pennsylvania and Indiana to our clinics in Ohio. Like, right. you can't just mm-hmm. travel, like, several hundred miles over a week and a half to get the care you need. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I was looking online and I saw that if you live in Odessa, Texas, you have to travel a minimum of mm, like 250 miles to get to a clinic. So let's yeah. not have that happen in Ohio. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll see. Right. Fun. Uh, and, and adding to the nightmare that has been 2017, uh, this week <laughs> the tax scam, I called it tax reform, which was wrong. Wrong uh, You corrected me. Uh, it's, it's horrible. It is past. Mm-hmm. But it's past. Yeah, well, and, and I think, too... I'm so effed. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem. Unless you really are paying attention and thinking long-term... Initially, you might actually think that this is a good thing because in February, when this goes into effect, your paycheck is going to increase because you are, you know, withstanding all the other pieces that they screwed us on. There, there is a tax break, again, up in air front. quotes, mm-hmm. an upfront tax break at the beginning of it. So everyone's paycheck is going to go up in February. But I will not be seeing the deductions that I have seen, and yes. I will not give as big of a return, which is like a big chunk of change that I can use for future savings next year. Exactly. So it won't be until February, March, April of 2019 that people realize, oh, crap, I got screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you should be very proud of me. I didn't cuss right there. And um, <laughs> bonus points. <laughs> bonus points. What all deductions have they cut? Like I don't even know. I, I think no one really knows because they were talking about it this morning, and they were saying how some of them got so like the child child tax credit got increased beyond where they thought it was initially going to. And but some, that really only applies to people who are rich enough to adopt so many children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Which like <laughs> I can't afford to yeah. adopt children. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, I think that uh, they're still trying to figure it out. I mean, a lot of the tax stuff is, I mean, the the local and state tax stuff is, like, capped, I think, at $10,000 instead of unlimited and things like that. So, I don't know. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting because everybody's like, oh, when people, like, see their paychecks go up, they're going to think Republicans are awesome. (laughs) For a year, maybe. Yeah. Well, just that's all they need. They need to get through the 2018 midterm, and then they can, you know, do whatever the heck the heck they want to do. Didn't cuss again. <laughs> you can say hell on the radio. Can't I don't you? know. We got to find out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But you can say it on TV. I mean, it still did include the fetuses or people provision. That's still a, in the bill. Yeah. It's not only, like, just, like, a way to, like introduce personhood into the tax code for some some reason it's also a way to like hide money elsewhere Mm -hmm. well the thing is you can already do that you can already open these education savings accounts before having a child you don't have to have the child so with all that surplus cash you have on hand yes Mm -hmm. because you're all this money i have my mom asked me all the time she's like have you opened one of those accounts i'm like with what look (laughs) at all these like three dollar bills i'm just rubbing myself (laughs) (laughs) well it was at cornyn one of the people um can't remember who it was tweeted that you know the average family those Uh. families where they're like Two wage earners making what was it like sixty grand, 60 grand to- combined, combined, and then had forty thousand dollars of other income that just magically 
they have a $25,000 business and then a $15,000 income from the $15,000 income business. I was like, how are people working? Two two people working full time and then also have a business that is also massively profitable. Does not happen. There's like maybe two people in this entire country that would like that would apply to. They make candles in their basement. (laughs) (laughs) Sell stuff on eBay and make $15,000. Yeah, like... Where are these people come or Portman coming up with his middle class families or families that make what was it one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year or something like that or it was yeah, like they're so out of touch with reality on money that they have absolutely no idea how like the normal you know American lives. The spouse and I make like right. less than half of that. <laughs> yes, and we have a baby. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, but the, my, my sister called me and she was asking, uh, you know, for me to explain the bill. And I said, well, you know, it gives all of these huge tax cuts to wealthy people Mm -hmm. and, you know, giant corporations. And, uh, in exchange, we get a trillion and a half dollar deficit. And she was like, oh, well, what's the good side? And I was like, no, it's the tax cuts for the companies. She's like, there's (laughs) nothing. I was like, no, that's all there is. Uh Well, and the thing is, now they're still saying that they're not even going to um, reauthorize CHIP before they leave. Right. So they're saying that there's this big, huge deficit that they just increased by a ridiculous amount of money. And it's this deficit's fault where they can't reauthorize the child health insurance program. Yeah. So they're gutting the health care of at least 13 million Americans plus children. Yes. And for like maybe $100 per paycheck. Yeah. Maybe. Right. And so, like, what really is happening is this trickle-down economics of screwing states over. You know what's... <laughs> I mean, that's really what it comes down trickle to. Trickle-down shower. You just get your hair clean and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So, yeah. it's. I yeah. mean, FedEx even tweeted yesterday that um, they were excited to see the, um, the tax cuts and that their profits were going to be record after this. The whole point of it was that, no, your profits wouldn't be records. You would actually pay your employees more. So basically these corporations are showing that this is complete BS and isn't actually going to do what any of the Republicans say it's going to do. Turns out if you make more profits, you're not going to invest it into your workers. Of course not. We're already making record profits, and they haven't done it yet. So why is it going to change? It goes back to the shareholders. Mm -hmm. So. All those rich people getting richer and the poor people getting poorer. That's really what's going to happen here. If I think too much about this bill, it makes me very, very anxious and I want to cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, when when this bill was sort of first uh, brought up by Paul Ryan, I mean, the it, it was right around the same time as we were seeing all of these like white nationalists uh, <laughs> and the, you know, the... The Nazis. march with the Nazis. yeah the Nazis yes. uh, with the torches in Virginia and the thing I said at the time and I mean it sounds gross to say it out loud but Paul Ryan and his tax legislation is going to kill far more people of color than those Nazis ever could. Yep, mm-hmm. and it, it's gross to say it that way, but that's the truth of it. <laughs> I'm just like here, like, hmm, was it ethical for me to have a child in this situation? Too late now. <laughs> Welcome to the world. Well, sorry, it's screwed up. <laughs> sorry, we just saddled you and your generation with another $1.5 trillion in debt. Yay. Jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> uh, Overthrow this is hetero patriarchy. Uh, so we've got switching complete gears. Uh, we've got a new website. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta talk Yay. about something nice. His name is Charles. <laughs> Kelly named the website. Well, that's because you keep calling him Webby McWebsite. He needs a proper name. 
Charles. Charles. Uh, we have a new website. It's, so now we have uh, two men on staff, Gabe and Charles. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so one of them is attractive. Uh, it's and, Charles. And good on mobile. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, please do visit ProChoiceOhio.org. Check out our new website. We'll be adding new stuff to it, uh, but it already has good stuff now. Uh, it looks much more attractive than the old website. Uh, it's it's much more user-friendly. If you've wanted to find out information, uh, links to some of these bills that we've been talking about, you pictures can see of our what beautiful we staff. Have. Uh, yes, a nice list of the abortion clinics serving patients uh, in Ohio. I still look very pregnant in my staff picture. You do. Well, we take those. Um, <laughs> Um, check out uh, ProChoiceOhio.org. Uh, it will eventually become the new home for this podcast uh, and the blog with it. That's exciting. Uh, those haven't moved yet, but they will soon. Um, the link uh, to find us on iTunes uh, to listen to the podcast will not change. So that's always going to be uh, the same thing. You can find it at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash NARAL podcast. Um, and download and subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us, please. Um, Apple Podcast. Yeah. Uh, So looking forward uh, into the new year, we've got uh, a couple events coming up in January Mm -hmm. uh, that are yours. Yeah, right now we have two organizing meetings with our friends at Planned Parenthood. We have one in Columbus that'll be on January 11th, and we have one in Dayton that is tentatively scheduled for the 17th of January. I will send out emails when we have that, like, nailed down. Mm -hmm. Great. We'll and also have a phone bank, and then we also have our craft. Our first crafter noon of 2018 will be January 7th. So if you want to come out and knit and crochet and make other crafts, uh, that's the time to do it. Cool. Yeah. And stay tuned um, for row anniversary event dates. They should be um, announced here shortly, too. So got a yes. lot going on. Yep. Um, okay, so we're going to close out this episode uh, with uh, some some audio. Uh, if you're you're listening, uh, if you're watching the video, there's a link in the show notes below. Um, Reverend Al Debelak is a good friend of ours. Uh, he swung by our office a couple weeks ago to record uh, a video um, talking about some of uh, some of his friends. Um, they uh, go to his church, I believe, um, but they are uh, older adults who have raised a child with Down syndrome. They know what that experience mm-hmm. is like. Um, and they have, over the years, had that same conversation with other families facing that same prenatal diagnosis and talking to them and just, you know, letting them know that it's okay to make their own choice, uh, to make up their mind for themselves, um, that whatever they choose for themselves is the right choice. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's to abort or keep the child uh, or put it up for adoption, as long as they make that decision, then they've made the right choice. So uh, we're going to close out uh, today's show with uh, some audio of him uh, sharing that story. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. And then we'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye. Um, I'd like to call this a uh, creative talk on religious freedom. Um, Let's talk choice. Let's talk freedom of choice and let's talk religious freedom that inspires expansive thought and action rather than religious freedom that limits and restricts and therefore does not demonstrate um, what I'd call freedom for all. I have a dear, dear friend who has Down syndrome. She's going to be closing in on 60, I would imagine, in a year now. Her parents are some of the most beloved and sainted people I've probably ever known. 
Usually they're when their names are brought up among my friends and, and colleagues around me, it's met with various uh, uh, acclamations of, oh my gosh, they're amazing saints. That label is one that covers every aspect of their lives. And I find them to be truly saints because they honor life and they honor choice. And they honor difference of opinion and they honor personal responsibility. For years when they, they were much younger, um, they told me that they'd volunteer to talk with expecting, expecting parents who uh, had just been told that um, this child that they were longing to have uh, was going to be born with Down syndrome. Now, remember, we're talking very religious folks here. These are um, every week, church going, Sunday school teaching, graciously benevolent, religious folks. Right now, you may be thinking that we're out at the, they're out at these meetings talking to these people uh, who were at a crisis point in their life together in order to convince the couples to see through the pregnancy and deliver their expected child. Well, yes and no. They were there, and this is what's really important, they were there to be truth tellers. They were there to serve, not coerce the couples. They realized that as a faithful couple, they had to address concerns of real life, the down-to-earth life of every day, vulnerable, gotta make life-changing decisions life. So they told their story of their beloved daughter. They let me know that they were very frank and they didn't hold anything back. They spoke of how she was a shining light in the lives of the members of their congregation, always shining with love and innocence and vibrancy. They also spoke of the everyday and endless frustrations that arise as they face the challenges of ordinary family, ordinary family life, along with the challenges of raising a child with Down syndrome. They spoke of the fears they had if something would happen to them. The advanced planning for care for them and for their daughter. They made sure each couple heard the fullness of their story. They made sure they listened to each couple's concern as expecting, expected parents. They were available to address themselves to concerns of faith and the various voices within religious groups that are always trying to tell people what they must and must not do. And yet, when couples would ask my friends what they thought they should do at this time in their pregnancy, these saints were firm in laying out that there were no shoulds. My friends are bright, educated, faithful, responsible people who would and could and did enunciate the support these couples would have if they chose to deliver and the support that they would receive if they chose to abort. They honored the fullness of life that comes in the midst of hard decisions, no assurances, intense emotions, and a world that often sends the message that you are damned if you do and damned if you don't. These friends were uniquely different. They live within a faithfulness that does not need to damn anyone for what they did or did not do. 
They were concerned with life. Yes, life. Life committed to responsible dialogue, scientific research, and the well-being of all. Respect for actions and choices of others. The notion of peace, shalom. Even as we wade through the long and muddy roads, all of us must travel, and some try to ignore or even deny. Religious freedom allows for choice, demands choice. Religious freedom is not a book of laws that must be followed. It is a book of stories, stories of how stuff happens. And we are called beloved, no matter how we choose to carry on. For at that point, we need not be afraid to face the streams of life that come at us and to also understand that we are free to choose and to stumble and to celebrate and to grieve and to turn around and to change our minds. No group should be able to legislate how we do that. <laughs>